0: Joel a big hand Thanks. and he's gone thank you it's a, I, I, pre- I didn't Jay I didn't know you were gonna say all that I, I, I appreciate that it's just a uh, it's not a doctorate it's just a master's degree so um, I'm fine with you guys calling me master pastor <laughs> we'll just go with that That'll do. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, in, in fact, don't do that. I, I several years ago when I first got here, <laughs> I was talking to some elementary kids, and uh, I was doing a, a lesson in our big city uh, elementary group. And some kids had asked a question, and they said uh, they said my name, Pastor Joel, and I said no 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 no, I said it's Pastor Radical, and um that and they said okay, Pastor Radical. They're six years old, um. Today, they're 20, and they still call me Pastor Radical. So, <laughs> that was a freebie. I didn't even put that in my notes, so there you go. Um, no, it's, it, I'm honored to stand up here uh, and, and preach you guys the Word this morning. Um, like Pastor Jay said, we are working our way through the book of Acts, so if you want to, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles. If you brought your Bible, um, if you've come for any length of time, you know that uh, we tend to have the scriptures on the screen also. So you can find the passages on the screen if you didn't uh, bring your Bible, you didn't bring a device or something with that on there. It's Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 13. There's a, uh, I'm going to go ahead and warn you, there's a good bit of scripture this morning. But um, uh, that's because uh, the passage that we're looking at includes uh, Stephen, the, the, the first uh, New Testament martyr that we see in scripture. And he gives this giant speech, and we're not going to read the whole speech Um, But in the speech, he he tells a story, and so... it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long speech and a long story. We're not going to go all the way through it, but I do want to hit some highlights with that. So uh, you can go ahead and turn there. It's Acts chapter 6. Uh, like Pastor Jay said, we just got back from our youth camp, Beach Freak. It was such an incredible week. Like it is every, every single year. Uh, this year we took a huge group. We had, uh, alongside of that, we had 11 baptisms, which was absolutely phenomenal. So I want to thank you guys, those that sent your students, uh, for entrusting your students to... Um, uh, the us and our leaders. We had such a good time, and thank you for those that uh, prayed for us while we were gone. How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, or maybe you've used the phrase, the story of my life? That's just the story of my life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just the, that's just the story of my life. Usually, it's in some kind of um, n- negative context. You know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be, you know, traipsing through the house, and, and, and you hit, you stub your toe, and you're like, ah. Oh, it's a, Story of my life, you know, I st- uh, stub my toe, or you're driving down the road and, and uh, you get pulled over for speeding, and you, you know you're banging on the steering wheel. That's story of my life. Um, uh, maybe you're on your way back from beach freak and the people mover, and you get a flat tire, you know, and um, yeah, just trying to bring kids their luggage. Yeah, story of my life, you know. Usually it's 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 in some kind of. Um, uh, but you, you're taking a characteristic of your life, whether it's clumsiness or carelessness, or you color your entire life with it. It is an umbrella characteristic. And so this happens in people's lives, though, too, across the board. And so uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's lots and lots of examples we could use. Uh, last month, the um, final appeal went through um, for, the, uh, for the world. Um, uh, uh, world-class athlete Oscar Pistorius. Did you guys remember the story of Oscar Pistorius? He was a he was a world-class athlete in um, the Olympics. He was one of the only people that ran in both the Olympics and the Paralympics. And so uh, he ran in the Olympics, but he had he was a, a double leg amputee, and he had just below the knee. He had these. Uh, prosthetic uh, fittings that were that made him able to run long distances and run track. Do you guys you guys remember this in Olympics? All well, right, yeah. And so uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. It was a super inspiring story, and and they did a lot of stories on him. The, the The only thing is, is that uh, only a year after that, he was arrested and put in jail for for murder. And so we look back at. Oscar Pistorius' life, which was absolutely astonishing. It was so inspiring, so incredible, and yet last month he lost his final appeal and he'll spend a long period of the rest of his life in prison for what he did after the fact. So we don't remember the story of his life. We don't remember mostly these inspiring things that happened. Instead, we remember this one specific unique event that kind of encapsulates his life. And this is what Stephen does in this passage in Acts chapter 6. He takes the story of the life of the religious leaders across history for the children of Israel. And he, and he summarizes it, and he, and he kind of puts it in a little box, and he puts a little bow on it, and then he hands passes it back to them and says, here, this is the story of your life. And it pretty much can be summarized like this. The story of the religious leader's life basically was this, it was one of making it difficult for people to get to God. They just, some of them may have had good intentions, some of them didn't, but the story that he gives is one that where they just make it difficult for people to God. The story of Stephen's life is one, basically, we'll see in the text, where he makes it easy for people to get to God. And, and, and you can see the difference between the two In this passage, Scripture, Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 13, Stephen has been arrested and basically they've put a mob around him. And they say, uh, verse 13, they produce false witnesses who testify, this fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Um, kind of odd verse, but we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? To this he replied, yes or no? Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people God said, and go to the land I will show you. Stephen continues in this speech and he goes and gives the entire story of the children of Israel. And he begins with Abraham and he says God calls Abraham and he gives him this promise and he sends him to this land that he doesn't know where he's going. And then then eventually he has a son named Isaac and Isaac has Jacob and Jacob has Joseph and Joseph has all these brothers, and they sell him into slavery. And somehow, in a prison cell in Egypt, he makes his way all the way up to Pharaoh's, um, uh, ph- uh, Pharaoh's palace, and he finds himself second in command of all of Egypt. And after that, 400 years pass, and Egypt forgets about Joseph, and they forget about what he had done, and they find themselves in slavery in Egypt. Well, God brings up another man. He's named Moses. And Moses comes along, and Moses delivers all of the Israelites out of Egypt. They go into the wilderness, and, and, and they just can't handle what's going on. They, they, they can't handle the heat, and they decide, well, we'll go ahead and worship an idol. So they worship an idol, and, the, and, then, and then Moses builds a tabernacle. And then not long after that, David comes along, and he has a son named Solomon. And Solomon ends up building a house for God. Verse 48, chapter 7, verse 48. This is Stephen's speech, however, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or where, where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? So then Stephen cuts to the chase after being accused of blasphemy and says, you always oppose the Holy Spirit, just like your forefathers. Verse 52, check this out. Which prophet was not persecuted and murdered by your ancestors? Name just one. They killed them all, even the ones who prophesied long ago of the coming of the righteous one. Now you follow in their steps and have have become his betrayers and murderers. What a powerful speech. It all comes from a simple yes or no question. The teachers of the law looked at Stephen and they say, yes or no, is this true or not? And Stephen just launches out into this giant speech. Those of you with children, have you ever asked your kids a yes or no question? And, yeah. Son, did, did, did you make your bed? <laughs> Dad, funny you should ask that. Long ago before bed sheets were ever created, Dad. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 no. You've, 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 you've heard the story. You've heard the... I never did that. Um, I, I can see on my parents' faces now. I, 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 for one, never did that. But it's... it's it's so, it's infuriating. And, and this is exactly what happens with the teachers of the law. They're listening, and, and he starts to tell a story, and it's like a children's lesson to them. They're like, look, we're the teachers. You're not the teacher. I'm the teacher. You, here you are trying to teach me something. Like, I already know all this stuff. Actually, I agree with everything that you're saying. Yeah, yeah, Abraham, Moses, yeah, David. Yeah, those are all good people. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And all of a sudden, he flips it at the end and accuses them of being the character of which they did not think they were. They saw themselves as a different character. When I was in, um, when I first got here, uh, straight out of school, I came straight out of uh, college and I came to Kingwood and started out in children's ministry. And um, we had, me, Lindsay and I had only been here a few weeks. And we decided to do a game show in children's church. And it was going to be called Miracle or Not, all right? And we were, we were going we to do going to do all these different scenes and make scenes of of miracles. And then the kids would vote and they would yell out, uh, I would say, is is this a miracle? And they would say, no, or yes. And so uh, we had this little plan. We were going to do a bunch of scenes where we we were going to show them what a miracle was we are reenact a miracle. We were going to show them what it was not. So we had a couple interns that were in the room who who had been a part of some school assemblies where they broke bricks and stuff. And I was like, we're going to break bricks in front of kids, you know. And so we pile up some bricks in front of the kids, and 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 we get the music pumping, and the kids are all excited, and 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 the guy runs over, and he you know atomic elbow drops the bricks, and they all break to pieces, and I'm like this is amazing. Is this a miracle? And the kids are like, no, this is not a miracle. It was glorious. So we do another scene, and we've built this styrofoam brick wall, you know, in the back of the room. And I have one of our other interns. uh, I'm no longer an intern. I'm a a pastor, so I can't do this. I have an intern do it. And so he stands behind this styrofoam brick wall, and, and we get the kids cheering. And all of a sudden, he busts through the styrofoam. You know, he starts flexing his muscles and stuff. And we go, kids, is this a miracle? And they're, no, this is not a miracle. I'm so proud of them, you know. We do this like eight or nine times. We're about to reenact Jesus actually healing somebody. We're going to do, do our own little miracle. But before we can, the, 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 the feeling in the room is tense. We have gone through so many non-miracles. The, the mood starts to settle a little bit. And right before we start the last part, I hear this voice beaming from the back of the room. It's a small kid. It's a child, and he screams from the top of his lungs. It pierces the atmosphere. Hey! Are we ever going to see a dang miracle? (laughs) He was not happy. And then I started laughing. The truth is, is that sometimes you can't understand a truth until you have the whole story. And I could have shown them immediately what Jesus looked like doing a miracle, but first I really had to show them what a a bunch of non-miracles looked like so that they would know what an actual miracle looked like. And this is actually what Stephen does here. He walks them through this entire story and all they wanted was a yes or no answer, and instead he tells them this big, long story, and at the end of it, he flips it on them. Oftentimes, God gives us answers we need to questions we're not even asking. And this is what Stephen is doing. Quick answers aren't always what the people around you and me need to see, but the story of your transformed life is. So Scripture says Stephen answered all the Pharisees' trick questions with wisdom. In fact, the previous chapter shows we see that Stephen is full of wisdom and and the the teachers of the law actually try to trick Stephen and they come to him with all kinds of crazy questions and he answers them what scripture says with wisdom but these wise answers aren't the things that went viral. Those aren't the things that went viral. Actually the story of his transformed life is what eventually went viral. Acts chapter 6 verse 15 all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw his face that his face Was like the face of an angel. Being the guy or the girl that has all the answers to everyone's questions in life is not what will transform your family or your school or your work or your neighborhood. But living a transformed life will. Quick answers don't go viral, but the story of your life actually can. It actually can. The lives of the followers of Jesus in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we actually see, show them eating and praying and sharing with one another. And this is the life, this life is what began to spread like wildfire. This new new life that people hadn't seen, that people hadn't experienced before. It wasn't just that they had the answers, and answers are good and they're necessary. But but in in this viral atmosphere where where the Spirit of God is moving and the message of God is moving past cultures and into new countries and new areas, it actually was the story of a transformed life that brought that about. You see, the world is asking a lot of questions, but what they really want to see, they they really want to see what a transformed life looks like. You want to respond to the hurt in your family or the brokenness in your neighborhood or the dysfunction at your work? Let them see the story of your life is one of transformation. So what what does that look like? What does a story of your life look like? What does the story of a transformed life look like? So I have three really simple, really basic, easy points. Um, If you're taking notes, you're more than welcome to write these down. Uh, First is we must realize this, that it's actually his story. It's his story. The story of my life and the story of the transformation of my life and what God is doing in my life is actually his story. But we, we tend to, if you're anything like me, place yourself in the center all the time. Any good book or any good movie knows how to get the, the, the listener, the reader, the watcher to place themselves in that story. And I don't know if you're like me, I don't, I don't ever put myself as the villain. Do you guys ever do that? I'm always the hero. I'm always the hero. I am Jason Bourne. I'm just going to tell you right now. I am. You know, I'm Clark Kent. I am, I am Iron Man. Um, I, whatever. Fill in the blank. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to see myself as the villain. And any good book or any good movie knows how to do that. We, but we don't do that just with movies or, or, or books. We also do that with scripture. We place ourselves in the middle, oftentimes as... The hero in in, in in the center, and so we ask questions like this, and they sound good on the surface. They go, okay. So I read this, I read this thing in scripture. I read this little piece. What, how, okay? How do I apply this to my life? All right. How 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 can I add this piece to this that I'm doing? When instead, actually, the thought, the better thought, may be, how do I apply myself to this scripture? How do I apply myself? To this passage, how do I apply myself to the Word of God? Since it is center, and His story is center, and His narrative is in the center, how do I bring my life to bear upon that? One of the most popular Christian books ever written, uh, Christian or non-Christian, uh, uh, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. Anybody ever read, read the Purpose Driven Life? It's pretty old now, but um, unbelievably popular. One of the one of the first phrases in the first chapter of the book starts off like this: "It's not about you." That's like like the first sentence. It's it's, it's not about you. What a a shocking reminder that actually life in this world, in this universe, I'm I'm not actually in the center of it. God is. We can see it in in the creation narrative at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created. He was the one that was there. There's a crazy verse in the very beginning, verse 5. I want you to read it with me real quick. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the first day. I don't know about you, unless you're working third shift, my, my day doesn't begin with evening and, and end in morning. <laughs> my day begins with morning and, and ends with evening. And, and this passage kind of, it's kind of weird. It's, it's, it's kind of off. Why would it be evening and then morning the first day? And I I thought the day didn't start until I got up, right? They didn't start until you get something. The writer of this creation story is actually telling us that when we sleep, God is working. God's actually working. You want to know why? Because it's his story, not ours. In the very beginning, we see who the center of the universe is, and it's not us. The challenge is, is, that we live in a, we live not just in a world, but in a culture that is saturated. I don't have to tell you this, you know this. We're aware of this, but it still ekes into our pores that actually says, actually everything is about you. It, it is about you. It's about you, the individual, you specifically. It's, it's about me. And for us, As followers of Jesus, if the story of our life is actually going to be centered in Jesus, the first way to do that is for us to realize that it's, it's, it's actually his story first. It's his. And it sounds simple, but it is an absolute giant cultural headwind that spins our heads around. And for you to live a life that says you're not in the center but God is, I promise you, you'll stick out. You'll stick out like a sore thumb. You really will. And you start practicing what that looks like you'll stick out. The world doesn't know what it's like to see someone live a life where that individual is not in the center. It's difficult for them to see someone place another above their own needs. It's actually pretty foreign to them. It's pretty foreign. The the second point is this. It's, It's his story, but it's also our story. It's our story. Acts chapter 7 verse 1 and 2 this, Stephen replies in his speech before they stone him to death, and he becomes the, the first martyr that we find in the New Testament. In his speech, he says, brothers, listen to me. They're, they're his family. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haram. Stephen knows what's about to happen to him. He's... he's convinced he's confident his his the 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 glory of god is shining through him his face even shines it looks like an angel which is a crazy verse he knows what's about to happen yet he realizes that they have set him up to face death and yet he speaks to them in family terms somehow they're about to kill him but they're still not the enemy they're on the wrong side of truth but they aren't his enemy they're still family can you imagine what it would look like for Christians to approach other people at work or, I don't know, Facebook, <laughs> as if God actually values them just as much as he values any other person? What would that communicate to people? If the story of our life actually said it's, it's our story, and the value that I know God has for the world, I actually see that value for that other person. Stephen looks and he says, hey, it was our ancestors that did this. Brothers, sisters, fathers. This is, this, is, this, is, this, is wh- this is where we came from. And he speaks to them in those terms. Do we really believe that God loves the whole world, that he sent his son to save it, that we are in the same boat as everyone else? So let me ask you this. If I were selling my car, how much would you pay for it? <laughs> Some of y'all have seen my car, and you are like, I'm not paying you anything for your car. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna pay whatever it's worth. So if you're, if you're selling your car, how much, how much are you gonna get for your car? You're gonna ask for whatever it's worth, right? Whatever the car's worth. If it's worth $10,000, you're gonna say, I want, I want $10,000. You're not gonna take $1,000 for it. You may take $20,000, but nobody's gonna give you that. You're going to ask whatever it's worth. So let let me, let me ask you this. How much are you worth? How much is eternity with you worth to God? What is your value? Scripture says that you are so valuable and I am so valuable to God that he actually sent his own son. Now, Now, a lot of messages that I've heard tend to focus on and say God sent his son because of all of us sinners. And the focus is on the sinner over the value. What if if we actually took scripture for what it says and it says God so loved the world that he sent his son? You know why? Because of your value. Now, you may not view yourself as that level of value you definitely may not view your neighbor or your enemy as that level of value, but somehow God does. Somehow God places the value so much so not because not just because he wanted to d- destroy sin. He wanted to destroy sin because of how much he loves you and he loves me. He actually sent his son because of your value. So when we have the story of our life becomes actually our story, it changes the perspective, the perspective of how you view the person you work with, the person you live in the same neighborhood with, the person you live with. It changes the perspective of how you view them if your value and their value is wrapped up in how much God values you. It is, it's seen in Scripture. God paid for you and me with how much he thought we were worth. And he sent his own son. Let me ask you this, what, 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 would you, what, what, would, what would it require for you to give your own life or the, or the, or the life of your own family member? How, how, what kind of value is that? Now for us to view ourselves like that, it's a challenge, it's a real challenge. But for us to view another person like that, oftentimes it's, it's even more so. But if the story of your life becomes it's actually his story first and it's also our story, it's, it's our story, all of a sudden you'll begin to stick out. You'll begin to stick out like a sore thumb if, if you start treating people like they're as valuable as you are. It, it'll show up. I promise you it'll show up. If all of a sudden more attention is given, if I begin to give more attention to other people rather than my own self, the attention that God wants to give them, it it may not get the headlines and it may not get the the posts or the likes or the but but it'll be transformational in the life of those closest to you it'll absolutely show up the last one is this it's my story the story of my life when we realize what god's done it becomes my story i'm going to ask the the uh, musicians in worship team if they'd come what is the story of your life? What is the characteristic that defines and gives context to the rest of your entire life? Stevens was so wrapped up in the person of Jesus, he literally sounded like him when he died. Acts 7, verse 59, while they were stoning him, what a powerful phrase, while they were stoning him. Stephen prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Does that sound familiar to you? Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Scripture says that Stephen's face shone like an angel. It looked like the face of an angel. Let me ask you this. What, What comes out of you when other people are treating you wrong? What is reflected when you're falsely accused? What comes out in the worst of circumstances in your life? What do you reflect? For Stephen, he was, his story was so wrapped up in Jesus, he looked like Jesus, he sounded like Jesus, his life even ended like Jesus in the moment it mattered most. It looked just like him. It, it was his story. God's intention and God's will for you and for me is to, is to live um, so deeply in us and walk with us for such a long time that eventually our life begins to look like Jesus's life. So you, you, you may have heard the question um, before, if, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? And it's an important question. It's an important question to know where you would spend eternity. It's like eternity. <laughs> it's forever. It's important. Um, but I've got another question for you. What if you don't die tonight? What if you don't? How, how are you going to live? Because Jesus didn't come just so that you and I can have a, a, a get out of jail, get out of hell free card. <laughs> he actually came so that we would be so deep in relationship with him that we would begin to be shaped and molded and over time begin to look more and more like Jesus, so much so that when we are persecuted, and and we all are, it's unlikely that we're going to face persecution the way Stephen did where we live today in in this stage. Now, they're facing that on the other side of the world. It's unlikely that we'll face it like that. But I can promise you, you, you will, if you're living your life in the Jesus way, you're going you're gonna to come across some persecution. And so the question is, what comes out when that happens? What is reflected when that happens? Is it really your story? Is the story of your life, is that really yours? Quick answers to life's toughest questions don't go viral but the story of a transformed life in your toughest circumstances will. It will. If you would, if everybody would stand in here with me. Stephen was asked a yes or no question and he didn't give them the answer that they wanted, but he gave them the answer that they needed. And then he showed it to them. At the end, the teachers took his clothing and they placed it in front of a man named Saul he said, Here, look what we did. Kind of like a, aren't you proud? And Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul. So, um, Stephen's story was a transforming life story. And it was important that he had the answers and he, he knew a lot of those answers, but what was more important is that he allowed Jesus to transform his life and it became reflected on the inside. That was the story of his life. So let me do this, I wanna pray for you. If everyone would close your eyes, nobody, nobody looking around. If, if you're on the prayer team, if you guys would go ahead and come up and make your way up here to the front, we want to, we're gonna invite some, uh, some that want prayer up here in just a minute. I want to pray for two people that are in the room. Um, Maybe you're in here and and you haven't made Jesus the entire story of your life. He's just a chapter. He's just a chapter. You added him kind of onto the side. You said, okay, I'm going to apply this message to my life a little bit. uh, But I still got, it's still my story. It's still mine. I got to be able to do my own thing and kind of do what I want to do. I'll reserve a space for Jesus. I'll reserve a chapter, but I can't. I don't know that I can give them the whole chapter. And the message this morning for you is, um, the the message you heard was the, the story of your life actually isn't completely filled with Jesus. And you would be honest and you would say, I haven't allowed Jesus, the life of Jesus to transform my life. I've added a few bits and pieces, but he's not transformed me all the way. That's a really, really common, really easy place to be where we live in the Bible Belt. It's very, very common. That message is, is very easy to believe. There's a lot of us that believe that message, but I want to tell you that it's not true and, it's, and it actually won't bring you the freedom that you're looking for. And maybe you're in here and you say, I've, I've added Jesus, I've made him a chapter, but he's not the whole story, but I want to change that this morning. I want him to transform my whole life if that's you i want you to raise your hand real real high there's nobody looking around except for our prayer team raise your hand real real high if that's you you be honest you say i've i've added jesus as a chapter i've not added him as a whole story yeah yeah thank you maybe you're in here and you or you're honest you say i just need encouragement said joel life and circumstances are squeezing me so tight and, and I'm just concerned what is being reflected. And I just need encouragement. Stephen looked like an angel. Maybe you're in here and you love Jesus with all your heart, but life is beginning to squeeze you and you just need encouragement this morning. That is what the body of Christ is for. That's, that's, that is what we're here for. We would love to pray for you. If that's you this morning, you say, life has got the squeeze on me and I need prayer. Would you raise your hand real high? Nobody's looking around, but my prayer team. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for, and that's how God moves. When we share, and we confess, and we say, God, we say, can you, will you pray for me? I just, I just need, I just need encouragement. If that's you and you raise your hand this morning, I wanna invite you up here. You can go ahead and come up here to pray with the prayer team. In just a second, I'm gonna pray with everyone that's in the room. It's, this is my challenge for you this morning. For those of you that raised your hand or did, or did not raise your hand, here's the challenge. What if you shared with one person this week the story of your life? Just one. The story of transformation of what God has done, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be a Sunday morning sermon. It could be 30 seconds. But what if you shared that story of transformation with one person this week? I think, I think you would be amazed at the miracle of God and what he wants to do because he values that person you're talking to that much. And he would use those words. He would partner on top of those come alongside them and pierce their heart and say you know what I, I actually love you too I love them too he would do that God we're grateful for you your message this morning your word this morning and we honor you we honor God what you've what you've done through Stephen and how we can learn from him God in the powerful work of transformation God, we want the story of our life to go viral. It's okay that we don't have all the answers, but we want your life to become viral in us and that it would spread to all of those around us. God, may the, the absolute power of the gospel represented that we find every single week here in the book of Acts come alive inside of our heart. Send us out of this room and may we become aware not of the loss and the brokenness that is in this community, though it looks It looks right. It looks good. It looks whole. God, it's broken and these people are in need God, of a savior and of peace and of wholeness. God, enliven our hearts that we might be set on fire, God, for you and for that message. We honor you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. Uh, If you would like prayer, there's a lot of us to raise our hands if you would like prayer, our prayer team is up here we'd love to pray with you, pray encouragement for you, bless you, be blessed this week, go in the peace of God, may the story of your life be absolutely consumed in His Amen